Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And welcome to Vavil UK's very own Newcastle United podcast, Tyne Warp. I'm your host, Harry Roy, and this week, the trio are back. I'm delighted to be joined by Dan Wright and Alex Wood for this one. As usual, matters off the pitch have been better than matters on the pitch. There's lots to talk about today, but first we have to start with the arrival of Chris Wood. A name that was banded around at the start of the week... I don't think any of us were really expecting this deal to happen, considering, you know, he's a Burnley player. However, all of a sudden, we paid his £25 million release clause, and today, doing this on Thursday, he was announced as a Newcastle United player. Lads, £25 million for Chris Wood, worth it? Uh, if he keeps us up, it's obviously worth it. I mean, as a footballer, is Chris Wood worth £25 million is debatable. Probably not, you'd add, in my opinion, but you know we've got lots of money, it's not an issue. What we did need was a striker in before the Watford game and this seems like the deal, that the only deal really that could get done in this time frame. You know, we're being, players that don't have these escape clauses were being quoted ridiculous you know, sums of money for players. And you know what, actually Chris Wood's not the worst option in the world. He knows the Premier League, he's a handful for every defender he comes up against. To be honest, when I first seen the link and whatever, I was a bit like, uh, could we do better? But the more you look at it, the more it makes sense, the more it becomes a good, sensible signing. And you know, not everything's going to be a Kieran Trippier that gets you off your feet, but there's something about having a new striker in for the Watford game. You know, having a new striker, you know, everyone will be expecting him to do stuff. It'll be 
adds to the atmosphere for what is a crucial game. So to be honest, I'm absolutely all for it. Um, a lot of money, but we've got lots of money. Yeah, just to talk on, on top of the money thing, Sebastian Hallow was 45 million, Batshuayi 35. Um, ah, joke on this podcast, or uh, that's not a joke, a, a proper legend. Christian <laughs> Benteke was 28 million. Fabio oh, Silva was Fabio Silva was 36. Islam Sermani was 28 million. Wesley for um, Aston Villa was 22. And Alexander Mitrovic was 22 million as well. Czech Tosin cost 20 million pounds. Like, these are all players that are worse and not Premier League proven. Chris Wood is better than all of those players and is Premier League proven. Yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on as well. And a comparison that I like to make as well is Danny Ings. You know, kind of in that same bracket as Callum Wilson and arguably Chris Wood as well, where reliable Premier League goal scorer will probably get you 10 plus a season. I mean, same as Wilson really with Ings is like, if you keep them fit all season, they'll get close to 20. Ings went for, you know, 30 million pounds to Villa and I think he's six months younger or six months older than Chris Wood. So there's not really a lot in it. So I think 25 million maybe overpaid, but I would say 20 million is the going rate for a 10 plus goal a season striker. And Chris Wood is that. I mean, look, he scored 10 plus goals the last four seasons in a struggling Burnley side. And, you know, obviously it's great to have him at the club. It offers us, you know, it gives us options in terms of obviously playing as a single striker. We're crossing the ball a lot more now as well. Hopefully he's going to be able to get in the end of them chances and gives us the opportunity to go to a two up front. I think him and Callum Wilson could be a really, really good duo um, leaving the line. But I think the the big thing about this deal, and a lot of people that are, are looking from the outside in particular is with this move is Newcastle are significantly weakening Burnley. Of course, a relegation rival. I think we're on the same points or a point. They're a point ahead of us. But anyways, there's nothing in it really. And we've took their main striker. So do you feel this transfer is more of a case of us weakening Burnley than strengthening our own side? No, not at all. I mean, it, it does do that, but we need a striker that can score goals and hopefully keep us in the Premier League. It just so happens that a lad that Eddie Howe likes, the recruitment team likes, is at Burnley. He's yeah. got a release clause. You know, they're not going to be happy about it because, like you say, they're weaker and now they've got to try and go out and find a a decent replacement, you know, there's a big, big pressure on whoever's doing their recruitment because Chris Wood, he might not be having the best season at the moment, you know, I think he's got three Premier League goals this season, but he's a player that, certainly when Newcastle played Burnley uh, over the years, you don't really want Chris Wood to be playing because he's a handful, you know, at times you think, oh, he's a, he's a horrible player, and he's a ho- he is, he's horrible to play yeah. against, and he's, you don't want him against your team, so I think Burnley, it's for Burnley, he's, he is Burnley, like, Burnley's whole identity is around Chris Wood, really. So the shoes to fill at Turf Moor, I think, are massive. And I think that's an initial bonus. But I don't think that's why we've done it. I think that's a bit cynical to suggest that. Yeah, I actually agree with Dan. Um, It's more about strengthening us. Um, Who cares if it weakens Burnley? Like, Burnley are irrelevant in this narrative. Um, yeah, Andy Howe and the recruitment team have gone right. Well, we need a different kind of striker because uh, we can't go out and sign another Callum Wilson. Because realistically, we have one. He's just really bad. His name is Dwight Gale. Um, so we need a different kind of striker. Hang on a minute. Didn't we just sign one of the best crosses in Europe? Yes, we did. Um, so let's go and get somebody that scored the second most headed goals 
in the Premier League since the start of 2017-18. Uh, that's Chris Wood with 17. Only Dominic Calvert-Lewin scored more headed goals. And he's had the likes of Luca Dinier, Seamus Coleman, Richarlison and all of them like, whipping balls into him. Chris Wood's had Dwight McNeil and Phil Bardsley. So, like, come on about this. Um, and just to build on another thing of what Dan said, the fact he's only scored three goals this season. Well, that's the same as Raul Jimenez. Danny Ings, who you mentioned earlier, Harry, and Romelu Lukaku. Like, he's not having a bad season. Every Premier League striker is having a bad season. No one's really scoring a lot of goals. It's not a high goal season, unless your name's Mohamed Salah. And Harry Kane's only scored one more than Chris Wood this season. He's playing for Tottenham. So that that's another thing to add to that as well. But I, th- I think all around, I think it's a very, very good deal for Newcastle. You know, a lot of people from the outside are kind of laughing at like, oh, they've signed Chris Wood, but you know, take it away. I mean, he's going to offer us uh, a striker for that game against Watford, which is obviously massive, but it gives us cover you know, for the next eight weeks while Wilson's out, then we have the option to go to a two up front, which I think, personally, I think will be really good. And also, as well, in terms of a striker and negotiations, you've seen that the club have struggled massively to bring in players, in particular defenders, and clubs are really playing hardball with the club. We can't really seem to get anyone in. We're being charged stupid amounts of money. I mean, if we went to Burnley and says, we want Chris Wood, how much would they want? 40 million? 35, 40 million? I would say so. So we've been able to skip negotiations straight away and get him. So I think that's, you know, it's bought us time as well in terms of getting him here for this game on Saturday. So I think it's a it's a huge win for Newcastle and really, really looking forward to seeing what he does. And I think it's going to be a lot better having him up front than it was having Alan St. Maximan up front against Cambridge United. We were all very chipper on this podcast last week and all very confident, of course, playing the league one side. We thought, look, it's a confidence booster. We'll be able to get a win and take some much-needed confidence into that match against Watford. Yeah, we lost 1-0 and we're out the FA Cup. But fair play to Cambridge United. They were absolutely outstanding. The keepers had the game of his life. I wouldn't mind him here, to be fair. Uh, they were brilliant, deserved the win. I don't think there's really anything else to add to it, lads. Cambridge, well worthy of a place in the fourth round. Yeah, I mean, we had a lot of possession, didn't we? didn't do a lot with it. I mean, first half, I thought I was relatively content. You know, we had a few chances. We didn't, weren't great, but I felt like the goal was coming. But as soon as they got that early goal and sat that little bit deeper, there was just no real creative ideas, no no movement up front, you know. I mean, God, we all love St. Maximin, but the bloke isn't a striker, you know. No. He doesn't have that striker's in, instinct at all. And, you know, that that's going to happen, you know, unfortunately. Um as bad as Newcastle were and as resolute as Cambridge were, you know, there were some really good crosses put into the box. I think uh, Ryan Fraser was the main one putting the balls in. You know, there's a few from Trippier, obviously. And if you have a Chris Wood type, I think Newcastle would have won, won the game comfortably. But that t- nothing away from Cambridge, like you said, defended really well, spirit performance and, you know, good luck in the next round. It's annoying because you would have fancied our chances against Luton and then you've got a potential cup run brewing, but... Look, there's more important uh, games this season. I would, you know, obviously Watford's a much bigger game than Cambridge. You'd rather beat Watford. But yeah, it was annoying that it wasn't that confidence builder, like you said. Alex, do you kind of see it as well as more of a blessing in disguise, really? Because I don't think we need the games, do we? Because as well, Burnley got knocked out by Huddersfield and Watford also lost as well. And there are, there are, I mean, obviously Norwich are in the hunt as well, but I would say our, our main rivals are them two teams. They've been knocked out too, so... Blessing in disguise just to have 
less games to worry about. Yeah, of course. And like as as Dan said, like a potential cup run would have been nice, but Watford's more important. Um, and yeah, focus on the league. That's always the the main thing. And obviously, we're we're going to move on to it in a minute. The the mini training camp camp in Saudi Arabia that will be announced is is great. I just wanted to. Um, say one thing and maybe we, we won't get any Cambridge United fans listen to this but they were fantastic on Saturday yeah like they were absolutely unreal and I just thought that they most of it is what happened on the pitch and like how terrible we were and how it was a full sellout and stuff they were absolutely outstanding um they had 5,000 out of them there they were incredible from before the game so well after it and I think they deserve some credit as well and I haven't heard a lot of people shout about them so I just thought I would yeah I think you're spot on mate I think I echo that as well I think we all do in here really really happy for them to be fair I mean at full time there was a lot of angry Newcastle fans around me and but at full time I was kind of sat there and I was like I'm actually really really happy for them it, it's such a fantastic moment it would be the equivalent of us winning the FA Cup winning at Wembley so fantastic for Cambridge look they need the money more than us They've got a got a nice tie in the next round against Luton, which hopefully they'll get through and, and you'll move into the fifth round. So I think it's great. It's great for football to have a, a lower league side beating a Premier League team. It's just a shame it's it's happened to our own club, but all the best of them and the fans were first class all weekend. So enough of licking Cambridge. We'll, we'll move on to uh, our training camp in Saudi Arabia, which has come as a surprise. Well, it's, it's not really come as a surprise. I mean, we all expected that we'd be going to Saudi Arabia at some point this year. Not this quickly, however. Uh, we seem to be heading over there after the Leeds game. I think it's a week-long training camp from the 23rd to the 30th. And I think it's seen as a warm-weather training camp, but I imagine there's a lot of PR opportunities and potentially a sponsorship announcement because we've not had one yet. I know end of the season, this sort of thing, but I don't think we would go to Saudi for nothing. Lads, do you think it's a wise idea going to Saudi Arabia mid-season? Or do you think it's best we just stay in the country, keep our heads down and get ready for the other games? Because I know we've got two weeks off, haven't we? Because, you know, we're out the cup. Well, this kind of thing isn't, you know, isn't unrare. You know, you no. s- we've seen it a lot of times because, unfortunately, Newcastle rarely see the fourth round of the FA Cup. So we see these kind of warm weather camps. I've been to Spain a few times and places like that and... Yeah, it's it's fine. It happens a lot. I mean, it's no surprise the destination. First time, obviously, the Saudi people get to see if, effectively what their country's bought in the flesh. So, yeah, it's. I, I don't read too much into it. I think there was most teams that are out and have a week off will be doing something similar. Maybe not in obviously not in Saudi, but they'll be doing something similar. We've done it before. It's it's not a big deal. I think. And then if there's any sponsorship uh, bonuses with that, then fantastic. I'm just really looking forward to John Joe Shelby uh, appearing in like a Saudi Arabian advert. <laughs> 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 Matty Longstaff's going to need loads of sun cream, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, if he's just still here. Yeah. Just all of the weird ones from Newcastle United appearing in like a separate advert. Like you wouldn't want like Sean Longstaff and um, Matty Longstaff are, are, like advertising a new soft drink over there, would you? Like <laughs> by playing Keep Ups, the Longstaff brothers drink this. You should too. I, I don't really think that's going to really sell well in Saudi Arabia. But it would be a perfect opportunity to, to announce a sponsorship deal. I completely agree with you. Um, like a full team photograph where they're all on a training ground in Saudi Arabia, the chairman's there, um, 
Mandy's there too with um, her, her husband, both the Rubens are there and everybody's kind of in this massive group photograph and then the sponsorship, the sponsor's holding like a giant check or a, a giant plaque saying we're sponsors till 2026 or something like that. Yeah, it, that would be quite nice. It would be a really big, big old propaganda shoot. But apart from that, yeah, warm weather training uh, to Saudi Arabia. I imagine like so many of the players' missuses are buzzing. <laughs> the players have been buzzing as well. I mean, they've been rewarded really for like losing <laughs> to a League One team because now they're getting to go to Riyadh and live the lap of luxury for the next week. So you know, fair play, lads. You know, you should lose more often. Actually, don't lose more often, Christ. <laughs> but also from a you know a time perspective here, you know they're leaving. I think they'll go Monday the twenty third and return probably the thirtieth or thirty first, whatever. Obviously, that ties in quite a lot with the transfer window as well, and in terms of signings. Do you think that the club are going to try and get business wrapped up before that trip to Saudi? Or do you think it'll be, look, if we're going to try and sign a player, come and join us out in Riyadh, that sort of thing? I think my guess would be Newcastle will try desperately to get a centre-half in between the Watford and Leeds game. Yep. I think that's where who that's going to be at this point, how long, far you've got to go down the list before someone will sell a decent player to us. <laughs> um and then I think once you've got your centre-half, you've got your striker and you've got Kieran Trippier in, I think you've added three quality players there into the mix that improve the squad. I think maybe then you sit back and sort of look what what's the market doing, who's mm-hmm. going to come available, who's going to, you know, if there's any loan deals or any cut price deals. Because at the minute when we're doing all the running, it's the, the onus is very much on us to meet whatever the selling club want. It's a seller's market at the minute where Newcastle's concerned. I'd like it to be get towards the point where maybe the selling team need to sell if you know and the offers come to us where maybe we can get a bargain because you know we've we've had to pay probably over the odds for Chris Wood um looking like we're going to have to do that for a centre half as well if the rumors are to be believed but once we've got the bare minimum in I think we'll see the market change a little bit and I think we'll, we'll I, I predict we'll utilise the loan market in the last few weeks whether that's when they're in Saudi or not I, I don't know but I think that's what the, the plan of attack will be from the owners Yeah I think you're spot on to be fair Dan and look when we, we had a little chat off the podcast and it seems that the top two targets for the centre half remain Sven Botman and Diego Carlos I know there was talk this week that they've pulled out they probably have pulled out to be fair but I think that Lille will will come back and try and do a deal later in the window the problem Newcastle have got at the minute is everyone knows they're desperate and I think without that Chris Wood release clause they really would have struggled to get a striker in before Saturday as well Hmm. and it seems that these clubs are just adding £5 million on top of whatever we'd say I think we've met the valuation for Botman three times now and they just keep upping the price and we've just had to walk away Diego Carlos, I think we've just had a second bid rejected for him. They're wanting 40 or 50 million euros for a 28-year-old defender. Bit much if you ask me, but like you said, it's a, it's a seller's market. And I think if we can get one defender in, leave it till later on in the window and maybe we can, we can pull some players. But it, it brings me to the question, I'm going to ask you on this, Alex. Do you think the club have spent too much time pursuing... Botman and Carlos because they're not really getting anywhere I mean look these are Champions League defenders at top clubs already in established positions and seem to be unwilling to sell unless we're going to pay an astronomical amount of money when we could have you know gone for maybe a player not as good 
but an upgrade on what we've already got, i.e. getting someone maybe from another Premier League side, someone on loan, or maybe even someone from a top championship side, just to have him in for this game on Saturday? No, um, I, I think realistically you've got to keep pursuing your man until you get them or until the club just say no, go away. The, with what you've said about Lille and um, Carlos there, they've clearly said... Um, yeah, but it needs to be this now. Yeah, but it needs to be this yeah. now. They're wanting, they're wanting a figure. They're wanting us to just go right. No, this is the final thing before we go away, and that's what it sounds like has happened with Botman, because um, I think what we kind of wanted was, and we weren't walked in naively a little bit by kind of wanting Botman and Carlos to kick up a fuss for this move. Uh-huh. And it, it wasn't going to happen because, as you've said, these are Champions League players coming down to a relegation scrap they're not going to do that but uh, no I don't think we, um, we should give up on them um, I, I think they're they're incredible players and they would definitely improve us and they would be a hell of a lot better than um, us getting a James Tarkovsky on a two and a half month loan and Lloyd Kelly on a two and a half yeah. year deal yeah. something like that these guys are some players you can build your entire team around for five six years why why settle for two and a half years when you can have the five six years Dan do you think we are either of these players I think it's possibly time to give up on Botman unless Lille come back to the table because they they just keep moving the goalpost and it's like it it seems like it's abundantly clear that they're not going to sell him in in January if we stay up I think he's the one that I could see maybe coming in in the summer because all the reports are here he wants he wants to come to Newcastle uh, same with Carlos actually I mean a lot of that's because that would be doubling or maybe even tripling their salary but mm-hmm. the the players are keen to to come which is which is good um and they're not you don't necessarily want the type of players the type of characters that would kick up a fuss to get a move yeah which is annoying because you it would probably make the move easier but if you can get it and they seem like the right type of characters that are aren't going to rock the boat then they'd be ideal but I, th- I think Botman I just think Lille are being too difficult I think Severa asking for too much money, but I don't think Newcastle have really got close to their valuation, so they've not really moved any goalposts. Newcastle need to decide if they're going to pay a little bit over the odds for a 28-year-old centre-half or move on to the next one. You know, there's that lad from Monaco that's been mentioned. I think he's got injury issues or yeah, something. Just... You can't sign an injured centre-half the trouble we're in at the minute, so I don't see that much in that one. I think you've just got to work your way down the list. I mean, we're looking at two... Champions League ten and a half that are in the last sixteen or whatever. If that's the first option, the the next few on the list probably are a lot better than what we've got at the minute. You'd you'd like to think mm-hmm. so anyway. So I think give it till early next week and then just move on and do stuff quickly. You know, um, because we can't we can't really afford to go into the Leeds game without any more defenders. It's already a bit of a risk going into the Watford game. You feel. Um, they would have liked one before before Watford for sure, but the, it just hasn't been an easy one for them. Maybe the, maybe a little bit of naivety, you know. It's our the first transfer window, etc. But I'm not I'm not too worried yet. I think if it's this time next week and there's still not one, then it's time to panic. Yeah, because I mean, you were talking about the list there where you kind of touched on, and it was like you know, Botman and Carlos are clearly near the top of the list in their Champions League defenders. Like, if you go a few down, I'm sure they'll still be better than what we've already got. And I think that works yeah. for the strikers as well, because I imagine Chris Wood's not number one, was not the mm-hmm. number one target for the club. It was probably like a, a Vlatovic or someone, you know, crazy like that. But it brings us on to uh, 
the the other rumor this week that's it's been there all week really, isn't it? Um, Hugo Ekatike Conte. I know a lot about him. Obviously, you know he's the best thing since sliced bread. Now I've watched <laughs> a two-minute YouTube compilation of him, uh, but he's a 19-year-old striker being branded shock as the next Mbappe or Thierry Henry or however you want to describe him. He scored eight or nine goals um, at the halfway stage of the season for Rom or Rheim. How you pronounce it, I do not know. You can tell I failed French GCSE, so don't catch us up on that one. Um, but they, they want 30 million euros for him. I mean, he's, the kid's clearly got talent. It's a big risk, I think. But do you think it's one of those ones where you'd regret not signing him if he ends up being a world beer? Yeah, of course you'd regret. If he comes at world beer, of course you would. But it's quite a big if, you know. I mean, we said before we actually started recording that there is a difference in quality, quite a big difference between a lot of the French League and the Premier League. You know, you've got two or three very good teams in the French League and then after that, the quality sort of dips down a bit. Right in the Premier League, you know, you look all the way down the, li- down the league and there's teams with really good players. So... It's a risk spending 30 million quid or 30 million euros even on a striker who's had one good half season. I think this is his first season playing senior football. So it's it's a huge risk. I mean, we've got the money. That's fine. Look, I, like you, I've, I've watched the, the clip of him on YouTube. You know, he looks fantastic. But whether he can do that in the Premier League and, you know, hit the ground running, I don't know. Um it's one for the recruitment team to decide if he's good enough. For me, you know, I'd be happy with anyone at this point. Um, I'm I'm sure he would add something to the team. But yeah, I I think if if Rem or you know however you pronounce it, are being difficult, I'd just move on to the next one on the list. To be honest, I, I wouldn't get you know I wouldn't get hung up on him. And yeah, you in the same boat, Alex, with him. I, I don't know whether you've got some stats for us about him. Probably does. Um, I, I I must admit I don't. Uh, I've just got a nickname. I've just got a nickname that um, I think we should call him, um, and that's Fabio Silva 2.0. <laughs> I must say, it came across my mind when we were linked with him. Because um, yeah, he, he he's a wonder kid. That's it. He's a uh, he has the potential to be a baller. But as Dan said, he's. He's had what half a good season. He's got nine goals in in the Liga. Oh, sorry, I should pronounce their sponsoring correctly. The Uber Eats Liga, um, <laughs> and um, yeah, he plays for Rennes, who are basically Burnley in the French league. Um, and like, he's their one good player. Brilliant. That's amazing. That's why it's thirty million pounds. If you want that risk, and it, it potentially could double, um, and you sell him for sixty million pounds, if it becomes really good. Yeah, great. Um, but I wasn't under the imagination we were doing that. Or are we still owned by Mike Ashley and buy players young for a cheap price and then sell them for a for, for a profit? Is he going to be the next striker for the next ten years? I don't think so. No. So there must be another player amongst the list that can add to this team now. Let's go find him. Yeah, that's the thing with me. Is it's is Hugo Ekatiki ever going to be Newcastle United number nine? P- probably not. I just, I just think that it doesn't really make any sense. Like, fair enough if you had like a twelve million pound release clause and he'd had this really good start of the season, you'd go, oh yeah, pay. But thirty million is a lot of money. That would be our second highest transfer behind Golinton. It's, it's just a huge risk, and I know people like kind of like brush down the talk of FFP as well, and like, oh yeah, FFP. It's like it's not an issue. Like it will be an issue eventually for Newcastle. Every team gets hamstrung by FFP. And we aren't in a position at the minute where we're like, 
in the Champions League and that sort of thing. So we have somewhat got to be careful with how we do spend money. And £30 million on a 19-year-old striker, I just think it's a huge risk. He might turn out to be a world beater. He probably will, to be fair. I hope he does. But I just think there's 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 bigger fish to fry than Hugo Ekatike at the minute. But if he was to sign, I'd be very happy because the kid's clearly got talent. But it's not really what we need at the minute. We need two centre-halves and a left-back and a midfielder. But, you know, back onto the now and Saturday's game. I feel we see this every week. Is this the biggest game we've had in a long, long time? Well, yeah, of course it is. I mean, the the chance of potentially ending the weekend outside the relegation zone for the first time since God knows when is something that... It's season. It's, it's, it's quite exciting, really, because you think if we... We do end up there and we've got a few games coming up where you think it wouldn't be the strangest thing in the world if we managed to get a few results. It feels like we could really push on from this game. I mean, it's... You know, it'll be a nerve... I'll be nervous the night before. I'm a bit nervous now, to be honest. Yeah. It's like Watford, they're not a great team. I mean, if you look back to the game at Vicarage Road, I don't know if you remember it, lads, but Newcastle really should have won that game. We're by mm. far the better team. I mean... Yeah. Jacob Murphy's miss at the end was probably the the main highlight clip that people will have seen. Um, they're not a good side. I mean, I think they've lost seven Premier League games on the bounce or something like that. You know, they've made three signings in the January. I'm not entirely sure who any of them are. You know, but I I guess it's a game we should win. I think player for player, I think we've got a better squad than Watford at home as well. New striker. I can see the atmosphere being pretty good. Oh, it's it's just good. one of those, isn't it? It's absolutely massive and a game we should win. But this season, we've not been winning the games we should be winning. Completely agree with you, Dan. It is absolutely a game we should win. We should have won the previous one. Um, and God, Jacob Murphy. Um, it's always him, isn't it? It's always Jacob Murphy. Um, but yeah, we, we, the only thing is we haven't beaten Watford in our last four Premier League games. The last time we beat them was in 2018. Yeah, the thing is, like you said before there, Dan, we absolutely battered them. It's probably the most dominant performance we've put in all mm-hmm. season. But on the flip side, if it wasn't for VAR, we would have lost that game 2-1. Yeah, also so that true. There's, there's, there's fine margins in it. and I, My only worry is is the defence. I feel if we had a centre-half in, I'd be very confident we'd win this game. But it's it's just a, it's such a massive game because it can affect your entire season. I mean, if Watford do win this game, they will move comfortably clear of us and they'll have Burnley and Norwich to play after so you think they'll definitely beat Norwich so you know we could easily be having to pull six seven points on them until the end of the season and you're already giving yourself a small mountain to climb as well and also something I looked at today as well was could a defeat here hamper us in the transfer market even more in terms of players wanting to come because if we are cut adrift well I wouldn't say cut adrift but if we you know Four or five points behind 17th, then it's it's a massive issue, isn't it? Uh, from a player wanting to come point of view, I don't think so. But what us getting beaten, getting cut for a drift would do is highlight our desperation and we would be more desperate. Yeah. And you know what? Teams would just take the mick. You know, if they haven't got a clause in their contract, if we lose to Watford, I think the price of their players goes up five million straight away automatically because they can smell desperation and they're thinking we've got an easy payday here, These lot, this lot are desperate. And to be honest, we'd have to pay it because it's the only way that we've got any chance of staying up. So I think, you know, the players that we're talking about, we're probably still going to improve their salary. They're still probably want to going to be willing to come. It's just, you know, it just adds money to the price tag and it's, you know, 
put it this way, it'd be a lot easier for us in the market if we were to win this game, I believe. Yeah, I agree. Um, like, plus, there's nothing more really to say there, Dan. You've absolutely nailed me there, son. <laughs> I think you put it pretty good, to be fair. I think that's that's the simple way of putting it. I think desperation will probably creep in even more than it already is now. But on the flip side, if we do win the game, I think it'll give us more leverage in the transfer market going for the likes of Botman and Carlos. We can turn and go, look, we're out the bottom three. You know, we're confident we'll be able to get out of it. We've got Leeds next week, which is another winnable game. So, you know, it can quickly turn around. I mean, look, if you want to be really optimistic, we could pull six points from our next two games and head to that training camp in Saudi and actually be maybe three or four points clear of the bottom three or at least level with, obviously, Watford's games in hand. But you would have to say we're in a really, really good position to stay up. So these two games are, are massively, massively important. But lads, how do you see us setting up for this game? Do you think we play the same system like we did against Cambridge? But obviously, you know, Chris Wood would lead the line and St. Maximan would move out wide. Or do you think maybe like a two up front with St. Maximan still through the middle? Something like that, maybe? Personally, I hope not. I don't think we don't get anything out of Sipman really good through the middle. I think he's a bit wasted out there. And to be honest, some of his end product on Saturday against Cambridge was really, really poor. So I, I would, I hope not. I think out wide he can cause them all kinds of problems. I think, I actually think Ryan Fraser is really key for the fact we find Chris Wood. I think his deliveries are so underrated. I think they're really, really. Yeah high quality and I think he can put a few on Chris Wood's head you know I think he'll he, he'll get a good chance to score so I think I'd, I'd definitely have them two out wide in terms of system I, I don't think you should go to up front because Gale's either unavailable leaving or just isn't rated by Eddie Howe at all other than that you don't have another recognised striker so maybe you're looking at like a 4-2-3-1 4-3-3 kind of thing I think we'll certainly look to attack Watford but then again, Watford under Ranieri, they'll probably do the same. So it, it could be quite a good game of football. I think an early goal would be massive. And then Watford, have the emphasis on Watford then, and I think Watford are the type of side you can pick apart. So I think the likes of the wide players like I mentioned will be really, really crucial. Um, and I'd get them involved 100%. Alex, do you not think that Newcastle would be better off sitting back against Watford? I know if the fans wouldn't like it, but... I think against Cambridge in particular, we never looked like we were going to score when we were attacking. And the the team is so used to playing on the back foot, I think they almost enjoy it. So would you kind of go that way against Watford or do you think it's, you know, bull by the horns here, look, we need to assert our dominance in this game and go on the front foot and try and take the game to them? I definitely think we need to take the game to them. Um, look, out of their last five games where they've lost all five of them, um, they've not scored in four of them. So if we sit back and invite them to go, yeah, right, lads, come on, come on, have a go, have a pop, then potentially that can happen and they score and sit back and defend for their lives and nick a 1-0 win or a one all draw. And that's better for them than it is for us uh, because of the games in hand they've got. I, I definitely think if we don't go for the gullet, go for the throw in a attack-heavy style that Eddie Howe loves to play, then I, I don't see what the point is. Stick uh, Alan St. Maximan out wide, as Dan said. Have Fraser on the other wing if you want. Um, and then have just as many balls in the box as you possibly can and let Chris Wood do his thing. If you want Joe Linton arriving late or Joe Willock arriving late, that's the point. You've got them two players for a reason. That's what Joe Willock did really well last season for Newcastle United. And he can do that again. His, um, he had an interview in the Athletic midweek where 
that says his confidence hasn't dropped. Let's show it then, son. Come on, let's let's get a goal behind you. Let's do this, and there's going to be 50, 50 or thousand fans there. It's going to be a, a nearly full house. Atmosphere is going to be rocking because it's Chris Wood's first game. Let's show the fans exactly what you want, and let's actually do a reverse of Saturday and show the fans that you're ready to fight for this shirt. Because a lot of fans on Saturday thought that uh, a number of the players didn't have it in them. Yeah, absolutely spot on. I think a lot of fans were disillusioned after that game and you know the amount of tweets I saw where it was like, get rid of them. The only players I want to see is him, 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 him. They've got a lot to prove these current crop of players, especially if they want to be around for this you know project that's kicking off here in the next couple of years. But I think that's a good way to end the podcast. We've covered a lot of topics, lots to talk about, lost to Cambridge, which was horrific, but huge game on Saturday and a massive chance to put everything right. Uh, with three points, but we've got to get the score predictions before we do wrap it up. Watford at home, absolutely huge game. A win could take us out the bottom three. Dan, what are you going for? Uh, I'll go for a two-one win. I think it, you know, I'd love to see us just be three 0 up at half-time and cruise it, but it just simply never happens that way. No. I think it'd be a really tight and horrible game, but yeah, I think we'll just nick it. Alex, are you going for a win as well? Yeah, I'm going. I'm going slightly different than Dan. I'm going a two-nil win. Ooh, that'd be nice. The thing is, it never it never works out. That does it. I mean, the chances of Newcastle keeping a clean sheet this season pretty rare. Um, unfortunately, lads, I'm going to go with a draw. I just think it'd be too good to be true to to win. I'm going to go one-one. I think we'll take the lead. Uh, Chris Wood. I fancy him to score on his debut. I'm sure you guys do as well. But our defensive freight will show, and not getting a defender in will. will It'll be highlighted massively on, on Saturday. And I think Watford will come away with a draw. But I don't think a draw will be too bad. I know, like, obviously it's a huge opportunity missed. But I think Watford will probably take a point now. It, you know, it means they're not out of reach. But it's, it's an opportunity missed to not go and get three points. I don't know whether you lads agree, just as a final point there. What would a draw be to you guys? Um, Underwhelming. Yeah. Not the end of the world, but not enough by a long shot. You probably feel the same, Alex, yeah. No, I think it'd be the end of the world. Oh. <laughs> I really do I really do think this is this is a huge opportunity to grab a win and if we just accept a draw right now, then I I, I don't see the point of it. Like what no, this is a really big game for us. We need to win this game. Fight and talk, fight and talk, love it. Thanks to the lads for coming on. As a pleasure as always, and yeah, this has been Time Warp brought to you by Vavil UK. Make sure you do check out our website for our comprehensive coverage of Newcastle United, as well as the rest of the Premier League, the AFL, you name it, we've got it. From us three lads, thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you all next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.